Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Wrigley Field in Chicago. It's the Indians for the Chicago Cubs nothing. I'm Davey Ferris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And hey, shout out to all our listeners in Germany. I don't know what happened, but uh, the show blew up in Germany. I'm guessing... One listener out in Germany like listened to the entire Pirates series in one day, and we jumped up to the 14th-ranked baseball podcast in Germany. That is cool. That is really cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, thank you to whoever's out there listening in Germany. I hope you are enjoying the show. All right, let's get into the storylines of this game, and... Got to talk about the elephant in the room. We got to talk the top storyline, which is Aaron Savali leaving with an apparent finger injury. Now, we haven't got any more details. You know, all the beat reporters tweeted out that he was going to see a finger specialist, the same doctor, you know, that they've been using for the recent rash of hand injuries. And I mean, that's not a great sign. You know, as opposed to saying, oh, he just, you know, he jammed his finger. He just needs a few days. Um, I mean, we've all jammed our finger before. Most of the time, it's a basketball injury, right? Most of the time, you're taking a pass in basketball, and you just don't have your hands wide enough to accept that pass. You get the top of your finger caught and then jammed by the ball, right? That's it's happened to literally everybody. This, I don't know how you really do that in baseball. Maybe it's the stress of the ball spinning off that finger that, you know, stresses the tendon, stresses the knuckle. Um, I'm not So, yeah, we didn't get many details. So, Aaron Savali, he could be fine and he could be back for his next start or he could be on the shelf for a few weeks. That means that the entire starting rotation that you open the season with is down. The entire five-man starting rotation is down. Now, you have some starters that you have called up from AAA. You've basically, you haven't completely exhausted AAA. There's still some guys down there starting for Columbus that could come up and start for you. I mean, that's what the farm system is there for. So you still got Eli Morgan. Uh, you still got, I think Eli Morgan is pitching tomorrow. And then they haven't announced anybody for the Minnesota series yet. Well, Eli Morgan's pitching tonight. Sorry. Uh, you still have Mejia. You still have Henches. You still have Quantrill. You still have McKenzie down there in AAA, although that has been uh, just a mental disaster, right, to start the season. So I don't know if they're going to bring him back up so quickly. Uh, yeah, you might have to go through bullpen days. Um, it's going to be... It's going to be something. It's it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a real struggle. But, hey, you've got a ton of pitchers on this roster. And who knows? Maybe Trevor Steffen will get a chance at a start. Maybe they'll stretch him back out. I don't know. I know Logan Allen was dealing with an injury down in AAA, I believe. Still working on his command issues. That uh, has been that has really hurt. I mean, Logan Allen should have been... He's someone who's been up and down like Quantrill for a few seasons, you know, starting in the San Diego system, and uh, he should have been here. He should have been one of your starters this season, and it it's really gone wrong with some guys. 
All right, so let's get into the actual storylines of this game. And it's it's almost more moments in this game than it is storylines. It's great plays and dumb plays. Great moments and bad moments, right? Should we start with the great plays first? Uh, defensively, the Indians turned some impressive double plays. Cesar Hernandez turned a nice double play where he got the ball right behind second base, stepped on the bag, threw across the first. That was a big double play to end an inning. The Indians had a strike him out, throw him out double play, right? I don't know why you're trying a hit and run with Jock Peterson. The guy was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. He's kind of known as a home run or nothing kind of guy. And yeah, so they sent Sogard from first base and the Indians, I wasn't even close. Uh, it was definitely more of a hit and run attempt than a stolen base attempt. What's the difference? The difference is uh, the guy leaving first base isn't so much trying to get a jump on the pitcher. It's that he's just trying to move on the pitch. So very much waiting another split second to make sure that that pitch goes home before he breaks for second base. And that's a big difference when it comes to the time. We talked about the time, the pop time for the catchers, right? We talked about this with Roberto Perez weeks ago. And we're talking, you know, fractions of seconds is the difference. So if you're waiting a fraction of a second to run to make sure that that pitch goes home because you're just trying to get in motion for the play, then yeah, you are going to get nabbed at second base if that hitter strikes out. So they try the hit and run. That does not work. Uh, Chris Bryant made a great diving catch in center field. You got to give him credit where credit is due. I mean, the guy is traditionally a third baseman who's played all over the diamond for the Cubs, and he makes a great laying out diving catch in uh, in center field. And uh, yeah, and uh, our first baseman, I got to give credit where credit is due. Both first basemen tonight, Bobby Bradley earlier in the game, and then eventually Bobby Bradley is a victim of the double switch. So Josh Naylor moves to first base. Both of them did the splits to try to nab a runner. I believe in Bobby Bradley's situation, the runner actually beat the throw, so the splits were for not, but it was an impressive splits nonetheless. And then the very last play of the game, uh, it's strike three, but it pops off Rivera's glove. He scrambles to his left. Fires a rope to Josh Naylor, who also does a version of the splits, you know? He still got out there. He got his leg out there. It wasn't as impressive as some first baseman, maybe. But he got out there and did the splits and uh, was able to catch the throw and really extend and get that throw to get that final out. And, uh, yeah, so give credit where credit's due to the first baseman. Uh, I was actually watching this game uh over at my folks' house, and uh, my parents were very impressed by the stretch of the first baseman. Uh, yeah, we discussed that uh, if I were a first baseman, I would definitely be doing yoga every day to just increase my flexibility there. So, uh, yeah, so those were the great plays. There, um, You could probably dig through this and find more, right? Um, the dumb plays, the dumb plays are what the Cubs fans are going to be talking about. So, uh Javi Baez obviously getting doubled off first base is the dumbest of dumb plays. It's so dumb that uh, their manager, Ross, took him out of the game, scolded him, and took him out of the game. So he was on first base. Rizzo hits a fly ball to left field. Rizzo's frustrated. 
because he was, you know, trying to get a rally going, maybe thought he had a pitch to hit and uh, flies out to left field. Javi Baez did not know there was only one out. He thought there were two outs, so he just kind of kept trotting around second towards third. Once the Indians realize what's happening, they get the ball in quickly. Ahmed Rosario runs it over to Bobby Bradley for the double play. And uh, yeah, I mean, Cubs Twitter last night, everybody just kept tweeting out the video. Everybody, it kept popping up, kept popping up in the timeline, like, you could follow the game timeline, and it just kept popping up with another angry comment from Cubs fans. So, uh, yeah, he gets benched. We'll see if there's any repercussions today or if he learned his lesson last night, right? And then uh, Sergio Alcantara comes in, and then the first ball, of course, gets hit to him, and he double clutches and can't get the runner at first base. Uh, I believe it's Harold Ramirez. Yeah, he can't get Harold Ramirez at first base because he double-clutched on the throw. Now, it was hit in the hole up the middle, and he had to travel a long way to his left. Would Javi Baez have made that play? You got to imagine Baez is probably one of the best, better defensive shortstops out there. You got to imagine he might have made that play, and uh, Alcantara can't. So it has an immediate impact. Then, after Bobby Bradley, a fielder's choice, uh, so Bobby Bradley replaces Harold Ramirez at first base. Josh Naylor comes up, and Josh Naylor golfs a ball out into the right field seats for a home run. So it turns into a run. So Javi Baez's dumb running mistake literally turns into a run for the Cleveland Indians. That is the chain reaction of events, events there. And that's why... It's an old saying, my father used to say it for every Little League coach, every Little League team he ever coached. It's a thinking man's game. You have to be thinking out there at all times on the diamond. As a fielder, you have to be thinking, when the ball hits me, where am I going with it? As a base runner, you have to know the situation. You have to. Um, Yeah, it's... It's a chain reaction of events right there that leads to an Indians run. So, uh, what other plays were there? Um, the Indians had some dumb plays. Uh, there were two doubles that the Cubs hit that I thought should not have been doubles. Now, one was, they I wouldn't call them dumb plays, but they could have been avoided. So, the first one was Contreras' double to left center field. I thought that, Harold Ramirez wasn't aggressive enough going after this. I thought he took a bad path to the ball, kind of circled behind it, I think on a more direct line. And more importantly, I think if Bradley Zimmer is out there in center field, he catches that ball. No doubt in my mind, we've seen Bradley Zimmer go aggressively after fly balls before. He is one heck of a defender out there. He's got a long body and a long reach, and he would have laid out and gone for this Contreras double. So I can't, I mean, I can't fully fault Ramirez. Sometimes as an outfielder, you just make that decision where, like, there's nobody backing me up here. I I just, I'm going to play this on the hop and get it in. Contreras hustles his way into a double. So it's not a dumb play per se, but I think it could have been, if Bradley Zimmer was out there, I think that ball would have been caught. So we sacrifice a little bit of defense in center field to start the game. Zimmer eventually gets in there uh, after pinch hitting. That's what creates the double switch. And then uh, Hayward's double. Hayward hits a little dribbler 
up the middle, and it just squeaks through the shift. Just finds its way through the shift. And, uh, I mean, it had an expected batting average of 150. He hit that 104.8 miles. I guess he did, but right into the ground. I mean, it had a launch angle of negative 26. So Hayward did hit the ball hard. He just hit it straight into the ground, which probably caused it to lose a lot of steam. So like I said, it had an expected batting average of 150. This is in the seventh inning when they put together a little bit of a rally on Nick Wickren, or they tried to. They tried to put a rally together on Wickren. So Rizzo had a single to start the inning. Um, and after two outs, he gets a fly off from Contreras. He strikes out Wisdom. Hayward hits this double. And what happened was, in the shift, both the shortstop and the second baseman thought they could get to this ball. The pitcher, Wickren, broke to cover first, which would be his, not cover first, but backup first. Because if Ahmed Rosario does come up with this ball, he's throwing to first, and that's the rotation. That's where you go. So nobody's covering second base. It, the ball ends up in no man's land, kind of between the center field and the two infielders. And uh, Jason Hayward is able to sprint all the way to second, no one covering the bag. So it was one of those situations where the shift threw off the rotation of the fielders. If they're more straight up, then Ahmed Rosario doesn't go after the ground ball, and then he's there to cover second base. So again, I can't blame anyone, but it is another bad play that leads to a double. And then the last bad play, and it wasn't bad for the Indians, but it was sure bad for the Cubs, was their pitcher, Nance. And uh, he gives up a double. Tommy Nance gives up a double to uh, Cesar Hernandez. And uh, what inning was that in? That was in the eighth inning. So after striking out Rene Rivera and striking out Bradley Zimmer, he gives up a nice double from Cesar Hernandez over the head of the left fielder, in left center field, all the way to the wall. 100.2 mile per hour exit velocity, 20 degree launch angle, 356 feet. Had an expected batting average of 450. I guess, yeah, if an outfielder was playing really deep or was really fast, they might have been able to run that one down. But he doubles off the wall. Ahmed Rosario up to bat now. And Ahmed Rosario is working. I mean, he's working the count. He's being patient. Uh, he did take a bad swing and miss at a low fastball where he kind of flailed at it. And uh, I thought Nance had him on the ropes. I thought he did. It was a 2-2 count, and he goes to throw him. God, let's go to the matchup there. What pitches were Nance, was Nance trying to throw? Or what did Stat Track think he was trying to throw to Ahmed Rosario here? Four-seam fastball. So, yeah, they scored him as four-seam fastballs. So he starts him with a curveball in the dirt uh, that's easy to lay off. Throws the sinker and gets a strike one call. Throws the same sinker, and that's the one that he swung, flailed at, um, trying to just make some contact with it. Because I think he realized, this. oh, God, this is the same pitch. Okay. Throws him a slider way down and away. No chance of going after this one. All right, and here we go. Throws him a four-seam fastball. That is a good two feet off the plate. Contreras has no chance at this one. It ricochets off the brick wall, shoots down towards third base. Evel actually double taps the brick wall because the curve is so tight back there on those bricks that it hits once to the right of Contreras, once to the left of Contreras, and shoots back out towards third base. So 
uh, Cesar Hernandez moves up to third. Now we have a full count against Ahmed Rosario. So what does he do? What does he do? He calls for the four-seam fastball again. Not the sinker that got him two good strikes. Calls for the four-seam fastball again. And what does Tommy Nance do? Pulls it across his body again in the identical spot. This time, it actually breaks some of the signage back there on the brick wall. Again, it's a good two feet off of Contreras, you know, off the plate. Contreras can't get it again. I don't even know where he was set up for these pitches, but I guarantee it wasn't out there. Um, And Ricochet did the exact same Ricochet, shoots up the third baseline towards the third base coaching box. And uh, Cesar Hernandez scampers home to score the, on the next run, the fourth run of the game. So Ahmed Rosario works the walk, and Tommy Nance absolutely delivers a run for the Cleveland Indians. So those are all your dumb plays or bad plays or uh, unfortunate plays. And yeah, like I said, this was a game of moments. The Indians scored all their runs before that on home runs which always is more of a moment, right, than it is a storyline. Let's look at the at-bat Alzale versus Bobby Bradley. Alzale was pitching pretty good, but he uh, not on this one, not on this one at all. And Bobby Bradley once again uses the opposite field. So I think the situation here is he throws him a slider outside for ball one, throws him another slider, this time down, but outside for ball two. Both those pitches are easy to lay off for Bradley. Comes down and down the middle and at the knees with a sinker um, for a called strike. Obviously, Bobby Bradley is looking off speed at this point after seeing two sliders. Throws him another slider that is up at the letters in the strike zone. And Bobby Bradley takes it the other way. If he tries to pull this ball, he'll probably swing through it. But he takes it the other way and hits it for a home run. 105.7 mile per exit velocity, 30 degree launch angle, so it was a moonshot up there. 383, 9-10 expected batting average. His fifth home run already on the season, and three of them are to the opposite field. Three of them are out to left, left center field. So yeah, Bobby Bradley finds the home run swing against the Cubs. I told you it's going to be streaky from Bobby Bradley. You It's going to be like this. It's going to look bad. It's going to look bad. And then it's going to look great. It's just what we were dealing with with Fermil Reyes, who, by the way, by the way, is doing a rehab start uh, in Columbus. They announced sometime this week he's going to be starting a rehab assignment. So that is good news for Fermil Reyes. So, yeah, a game of moments. Josh Naylor, he golfs out a two-run home run. So that's how the Indians scored their runs. Both teams only have six hits. But the Indians turn their six hits into four runs. So that is the difference. Both teams were striking out a ton. Uh, The Indians would end up striking out 13 times on the day. Uh, Rene Rivera had three himself. Uh, The Cubs would end up striking out 12 times on the day, including Wisdom, who struck out four times, and Peterson, who struck out three times. So both teams were going down to the strikeout. And the last thing, the last thing we got to talk about is the relief pitching because the relief pitching came in anytime there's an injury like that early in the game. Savali was cruising. Savali was at 71 pitches. He was about to end the fifth inning, probably could have gone at least the sixth, maybe even the seventh at that point. Had only given up three hard hit balls, had five strikeouts, two walks, three hits, no runs. Uh, It was a really good day for Savali in every pitch 
was working. His CSW on the day was 30%. He was getting a 39% swing and miss. He had 31 swings, 12 whiffs. So yeah, it was a really good day for uh, for Aaron Savali until that injury. When an injury like this happens, you got to trust your bullpen, right? The first guy out of the bullpen really has to put the work in. And Brian Shaw gets a ground out on one pitch, then pitches the uh, sixth inning, doesn't give up a hit, but gets two strikeouts on 19 pitches. And uh, yeah, that's that's really good out of the bullpen for Brian Shaw, especially after he'd been a disaster his last few starts. He was throwing that cutter all over the place. He was still having some command issues. He was able to get some swinging strikes on a, on a slider down and away. Uh, he was able to mix in a sinker a couple of times, but he was pounding the strike zone a little bit more than he was the last time we saw him pitch. Let's see here. What do they have in the box score? Yeah, 19 pitches, 14 strikes. That's much better. Much better from Brian Shaw. So he ends up getting two big strikeouts there in that sixth inning. Who would he sit down? Who was he facing in that sixth inning? He strikes out Jack Peterson, and he strikes out Chris Bryant. So that is pretty good. Um, Yeah, so it's really, really encouraging to see that from Brian Shaw. And then we turn to, uh, you know, what's the heart of the bullpen right now? Nick Wickren kind of slid into that seventh inning spot for Shaw. He has a bit of a battle, right, against... uh, Against Rizzo, against Hayward, he does give up the two hits. He had two runners on, but he has two big strikeouts, including a huge strikeout to end the inning. He got uh, Sogard to end the inning on an outside pitch that he swings through. And at that point, the crowd was into it. I'm listening on the radio drive at home, and the crowd is just electric at Wrigley. They thought that was their moment. Runners on second and third. They thought they had Wickren on the ropes. They thought that was their moment to get back into the game. And uh, he shuts them down. Um, Wickren shuts them down with the strikeout to end it. Emmanuel Classe dominates the eighth inning on only 13 pitches, including a strikeout, no hits. Uh, James Karinczak then comes in, does walk to. Karinczak is still struggling with command, but he strikes out to to get out of it and to end the game. So uh, Brian Shaw actually ends up with the win because Savali did not go enough innings. If Savali finished that fifth inning and then left the game, he would have gotten the win. But if you don't complete five, you can't get the win as a starter. So the win goes to Brian Shaw. Uh, the CSWs weren't too impressive on anybody except for Karinczak. His curveball, my God, eight swings, five whiffs on the curveball. That is impressive. That is really impressive. Um, So, yeah, that pitch was definitely working for him yesterday. So, MVP for the day, I got to give it to Brian Shaw. I, I have to. He came in. That could have been a disaster. He came in and got out of that fifth inning and then is able to manage a pretty good sixth inning. That is huge to be able to finish the start for Aaron Savali. Was it the most dominant pitching performance of the day? No, probably not. That probably goes to Brad Week uh, or Wick from the Cubs, who uh, struck out the side in what would be the seventh inning for the Cubs. 
that was probably the most impressive pitching performance of the day. He dominated on 11 pitches. He was just pounding fastballs in there and then dropping a nasty knuckle curve that got two strikeouts for him, including Bobby Bradley and Josh Naylor, I believe. So Brad Wick was probably the most dominant pitcher yesterday, but I got to give it up to Brian Shaw for coming in and finishing that start. All right, so speaking of starters, the Indians obviously have some decisions to make. They're going to have to roll with the rookies. They're just going to. They've been rolling with the rookies. They're going to have to keep rolling with the rookies until Plesak and uh, Bieber come back. Until Savali, you know, we'll see what the story is on him. There's two options, obviously, besides the rookies. And that's assigning a free agent who's still out there and making a trade. Now, going back to MLB's article on uh, you know 2021 free agents by position, there's still some free agents out there. And there's some names you know. Rick Purcella, who's 32 years old, he is still out there, right? Former Tigers pitcher, Rick Purcello. He is still available. Homer Bailey, you remember him, 35 years old, former Reds pitcher. Anibal Sanchez, also a former Tigers pitcher, 37 years old. Cole Hamels from the Phillies, also 37 years old. Uh, Mike Leak is out there, 33 years old. Ariel Jurado, I don't remember him. He's 25 years old. He's out there. Jeff Samarja, former Notre Dame wide receiver and Giants pitcher Jeff Samarja. Also Cubs, I think, right? 36 years old, he is still out there. So there are some names still out there, right? Like would Rick Purcello get in here and pitch? Would Homer Bailey or Cole Hamels or Annabelle Sanchez be interested in pitching? I mean, even even if it was for a month or two to bridge the gap. Now the problem, and uh, there was an interesting article from the Cardinals uh, beat reporter, Zachary Silver, this was from June 3rd. The Cardinals are also dealing with their rash of injuries. And he wrote an article about some options for the Cardinals when it comes to pitching. And he threw out those names. Purcello, Colhamel, Sanchez, Samarja, um, unsigned free agents. Now, what he said is that the fact that these guys haven't been pitching, they would need to ramp up. They would need a few minor league starts to ramp their arm up and get up to speed. Are your injured guys going to be back at that point? Like, it might be a moot point, because if your injured guys need a month to get back, and these free agents need a month to get up to speed, then what's the point, really? He obviously threw out the internal options for the for the Cardinals, and then he threw out some of the trade candidates, right? He threw out names like the Rangers' Kyle Gibson, who's having a good season, the Royals' Brad Keller, the Reds' Sonny Gray, the Tigers' Matthew Boyd. Um, and obviously, uh, he threw out the name Max Scherzer, who is a hometown kid for St. Louis, um, any of those names a possibility? It would be a little bit tough for those names in division, but I think that some of those names are a real possibility. The Indians could look to add, and at this point in the season, I think that you know we're getting to the end of June. We're getting to the halfway point of the season. I think teams know if they're in or out of contention right now, so a team might be willing to part with you know a guy who's on uh. You know, rental, a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, and they might be willing to give that player up for a lower-level minor league player at this point. Uh, so there is a real possibility, if you were going to be without any of your three main starters for, let's say, a month, let's say through the all, you know, 
We're hoping through the all-star break, but we don't know. We don't know how long it's going to take these guys to come back from some of these injuries. So, yeah, uh, it might be worth it to jump on a name now. Doesn't have to be a Max Scherzer, but I think he throws out some good examples in this. I mean, the Rangers' Kyle Gibson, I believe, is killing it right now. He might actually be a hot commodity at the trade deadline, so the Rangers might not pull the trigger on that. But it is worth it to look around and see who might be a good rental because either way, adding another starter to this mix might not be a terrible decision for the rest of the season anyways, right? We're 40 and 30 right now. We're we're doing really good. Uh, We're two games back in the division. I'm guessing the White Sox were off yesterday. We've got a plus seven run differential. We finally turned around our run differential. So yeah, so it is worth it, I think, for the Indians to consider this. So we'll see what the news is on Savali, right? I'm sure the beat reporters will be all over it. I'm sure Francona is going to have to address it today in his pregame meeting. And uh, we'll see what the news is. Hopefully it's fine. Hopefully it's just a bruised knuckle or something like that. And he just needs to ice it. And uh, not grip anything for five days. You know, something crazy like that. Maybe he misses one start. Hopefully. Otherwise, they're going to have to get creative or they're just going to have to really, really trust their rookies. And they're going to have to trust their rookies either way. Because adding one starter still means there's four days where your rookies are going to have to continue to contribute to this team. Even if it's three, four innings. Even if it's as openers. Right? We're going to carry a ton of relief pitchers. And they're going to have to step up. Everybody's got to step up. Next man up when someone goes down. The entire bullpen just needs to keep keep working. Just keep hanging in there. And they seem to have that attitude, right? You hear them talk in the post game. You hear them talk in interviews. They have that attitude where they're just going to keep working. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the situation is, what inning they're coming in. They're going to keep working. And that's the attitude that Francona has instilled in them. That's where this manager pays huge dividends. And you got to appreciate it as a Cleveland Indians fan. you got to appreciate the fight. All right, so that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Chicago. It's the Indians for the Cubs. Nothing. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Eli Morgan. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Ferris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.